0: Welcome in to the House of L, episode 60. That's right. Episode 60 of this thing. I am your host, Lawrence Holmes, and I am glad to be here with you. We have got a fun and interesting episode awaiting you in this one, and I'm glad that you clicked on it. Hopefully, Gabe told people on B96 to click on it, so I'm reaching a whole new audience. Hello, B96 listener. You should check out some of the other podcasts that we've done. Some of the episodes. Just scroll on through when you're done listening to this episode. Glad that you're hanging out. Glad that the feedback from both the, the, the Jack episode and the Kathy Cheney episode have been really good. I am excited that people were able to get something out of those. I really enjoyed kind of, I guess, catching up with Kathy Cheney since we found out that we basically grew up around each other. That was a lot of fun. I, I also thought that it was really interesting considering the time that we're living in where the stuff with R. Kelly is going on to get her perspective on all of it was really incredible. So I'm glad people dug it. Please go back and listen to episodes with Chris Tannehill and Joe Ostrowski and Kelly crawl and Barry Rosner and Lynn Bramer and whoever else we've had on the podcast over the almost year. I guess nine months, nine months of this podcast so far I've enjoyed the nine months and I appreciate your support. Please, please, please go subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe and unsubscribe and then subscribe again. Give us a five-star rating. It helps with the metrics. It gets more people paying attention to it. But I do think that those of you that have left a really nice review and given us five stars, it, it, it's great. And it helps us get more identifiable in search engines and there's an algorithm and all that good stuff. So thank you. Okay. This week's episode, I, I'm excited for you to hear this week's episode because Gabe Ramirez is, is, is one of my people. I, I love him. I love this guy. We always have great conversation no matter what. And this conversation took a lot of twists and turns. And we we ended up spending some time talking about the intersectionality of the black diaspora and the Spanish diaspora. It's good stuff. We We talked about word usage, who can use what words, when. And we talked a little bit about Softball. Actually, we talked a lot about softball, which you'll hear momentarily. It's a great player. He's a great player. And what's FM like? You know, I spend a lot of time talking to, to AM people, to sportscasters. What's FM like? It's fun to get his take on it because he's seen it from a lot of different angles. So I hope you enjoy. The morning man over at B96. Shout out to Nina, his partner. Over there on B96, here he is, Gabe Ramirez. There's so much I want to talk to you about, man. Okay. A ton I want to talk to you about. But first, I want to talk to you about – Um, I know you're going to probably blush when I say this, but um, I think overall, like if we were drafting – media softball players i think you go number one I, I, I think that you i mean you're, you kind of have everything like you know there's some players that have this or that sure, right but you kind of have the whole thing you can play infield you can play outfield you can hit for power you can <laughs> hit for on base so i think it, uh, of the the old media league that we had i think yeah. that you would go number one in the draft
1: okay i think then you would have to definitely without a doubt fall like number two Right?
0: No, I I would. I mean, I'm old now. But like, you were like
1: hot corner, third base. You know, get a base hit when you needed it. Yeah, I'll go to right field on you all day. Right, all day. Just let you know. Just don't let, don't let him hit a double. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Do that. Do that thing. <laughs> so yeah, I understand that. You know, not not a. It's not a bad one. Number one. That's. I right. think you go number one. I mean, out of that 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 whole group that we had. Yeah. Because you
0: because know? the, the hard part is the the outfield aspect of
1: it. Yes. I, def, I I played a good left field. Yes you did. I remember Lawrence one time I was like playing left field. I forgot who it was to hit the ball. One of your studs that you guys had on the score. And uh probably B Mac cuz he was like third base left field all it day. He was a stud. And I just remember he hit the ball and he he was out the gate running. And you were like, he got it. Stop. <laughs> I'm in left field like, damn, OK, that's Lawrence Holmes saying that. That's what's up. <laughs>
0: like, okay. You could see the trajectory and see that you were going to track it. So you
1: didn't have to run 100 miles yeah. an hour to, yeah. to do any of that stuff. I miss that league. I think it's a it's a it's a sad, sad thing that that league doesn't exist anymore. Just because, one, there was a the camaraderie there. Right. Amongst your own station. For sure. And people that were there. You know, what I'm saying like you guys went out, too, because you guys did your thing, what, like on Wabash or something like that. Right. Well, it depended It a, when the league was in when the league was in Grant Park. I forgot where we. we yeah, it was we I were, feel like I went with you guys one time. You guys were like on Wabash and Roosevelt.
0: Yes. And and then when there were when we were up north. We had a, a place called 42 North Latitude on Lincoln. It okay. doesn't, isn't there anymore. The owner moved <laughs> okay. to Arizona. Okay. Uh really good dude named Kurt. Um, and We used to love that place because it, was, it
1: wasn't too far from Horner. Yeah. We'd roll over there deep. That's the best part about it, man. I mean, in, in Horner Park, you know, when we got over there and all the stations were there and you just got to see people. I mean, I think even in that moment, I mean, obviously I didn't. In that moment, I didn't even know what was going on, right? So, like, the fact that we're here, that was, what, 13? 12, 12, 12 years ago. Yeah. I mean, when we, I mean, I don't think the
0: last time I played though was, God, uh, maybe the last time we. Cause the like, league folded
1: like, what, like three years ago or yeah, something Yeah.
0: Like I think the last time I played was maybe four or five years ago. Okay. But yeah, the first
1: time seeing you out I mean, there geez. was. And like, you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know the, you know, the relationships and the people that you meet and how, like how, as a younger kid, you don't understand like networking. Mm-hmm. And how that's gonna influence you 10 years down the line. And you're like, oh wow, there goes this guy from this. And you're then you know account executives from other stations. And it's just or that you know. like when Jimmy DeCastro was playing
0: for WGN, <laughs> that he was a crazy person. Yes, exactly. Our boss You're right, right? Yeah, right. Like, he's pitching for GN, he's out there yelling at everybody. Yeah. So so you get kind of an idea of what he's like, like that sort of thing. But I I miss it because someone hit me up on Twitter today, hit okay. me and Julie DeCaro up, because I guess somewhere in the 90s. There was a sports media versus WWF game that
1: happened. Okay.
0: And someone was like, we need to
1: recreate that. And I go, I don't know if we could do it. How would you be? It would be one of those weekends where, like, they're here, like, Sunday and Monday, maybe get a game in between. But it, it was, it was like, Shawn Michaels was, pl- like. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll show you the, 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 the tweet.
0: It's amazing. Doink the clown. Like, they had all sorts <laughs> of, like, stuff going on out there. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know if we could pull that off. But I. I always thought like for at least for the score like us doing a a game against 1000 for charity would always okay. be
1: fun. People would love that, you know? But then the, everybody would bring out their own ringers. You know what it's like?
0: Yeah, but,
1: facts. Right. <laughs> you know like you're like oh all of a sudden this guy works in sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he doesn't. How in, did, how did you get King Griffey Jr to work in sales? <laughs> that's you, amazing. Do you miss baseball just in general? Cuz I know you played and you know, you all like I mean that's in your life. I mean do you miss that? I actually had a conversation with someone
0: the other day where I haven't hit in a while mm. and I'd like to go hit. Okay. I, I I really I haven't done it in a while. The the last time I went, maybe like 18 months ago, my wife said to me, she went with me to the cage, and she goes, So, because we were just hitting yeah. yep, slow pitch. Of course. And she goes, Do you think that you could still? hit a baseball and I said of course you can I said probably and she's like okay so she it might take you three swings it it, <laughs> took, it took me almost exactly three swings she put me in the 80 cage okay. oh okay yeah and I said I think I still have enough bat speed like I'm not jacking anything sure contact but I can definitely still make contact so we we went and we had fun and, and it was she was kind of amazed like I think she was impressed because she's heard all the horrible baseball stories sure. from me and then she got to actually see, and then she saw like that thing happen with me—that thing of oh, the competitive right. like aspect of my personality yeah. kind of clicked in. And then I was like, now I don't want to leave the eighty cage. Now I want to spend the. the Go the, get a
1: beer, babe. Yeah,
0: the the, the, the ten dollars that I have left, I want to spend it all, dumping it into the eighty mile per hour cage. But yeah, I I do miss it. I I honestly like miss just playing catch. The last – one of the, my favorite memories from college playing ball. And so DePaul's team, we're a club team, but we played, like, Division I teams and yeah, AIA teams all and all this stuff. We played – who did we play? Was this Jill Ercheck's dad's team? Jill Ercheck's dad is Woody Ercheck. Woody Ercheck is a legendary baseball coach. Okay. And so I, I want to say we were playing them, and we were playing over at UIC's field. And UIC used to have a field right on the corner of Roosevelt and Halstead. And the Skyscraper League was like a semi-pro league that played there. Okay. It is the most beautiful view of downtown Chicago. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Looking eastbound right there Look, off of Halstead. Yeah. It, it's amazing. So I just remember like that was one of my happiest moments like, of my <laughs> life. Like We played a game there. The sun was setting. We had played a doubleheader. Both teams like went over to Maxwell Street in between. Of course. And just like ate up and like, and it was a really good time. So I do miss it, but I kind of get some of that when I go out to cover spring training or cover a baseball game, like hearing the sounds and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I definitely miss it. I still wonder like how much could I actually do if I trained? Like how much like, like right now? Yeah. Like even at 43, I like, mean, you'd
1: be able to play in the 12, uh, 16 inch radio station softball league. Pretty much, be, <laughs> pretty much that's it. Pretty much it. Make sure you do your squats and don't
0: pull a hamstring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least 20 minutes stretching
0: God, beforehand. Dude.
1: And 20 minutes
0: after. That's I, what I've
1: learned. Yeah, I play ball now. Uh, you know, Chicago kid. Right. So you grew up just like in the Jordan era. So that's why I feel like I, I feel like I'm better at basketball than anything else. Uh, but I still play ball on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I'm definitely the guy that's on the other side of the court stretching while, like, the early 20-year-olds are just, like, balling out playing, you know, 21 or 32 or whatever it is. So I'm definitely— You play twice a week? I play on Mondays and on Tuesdays. Goodness gracious. I know. And then it's like, you know, early 30s. You're hearing people talk about, you know, torn Achilles Facts. and ACLs and all that stuff like that and I think what I've done like most people that are smart and still want to have that like cardio activity within the game that they love is that you just you're 65% Gabriel. Right? You're 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 tearing your ACL, you're doing that stuff cuz you're going way too hard, you know what I'm saying? So like if I see a rebound and I always tell them, 10 years ago, that was my rebound. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right now, you're going to jump, you're going to go run I'm not doing that. You know what, I, what I'm saying? Tony and I, we
0: played uh, at at the Bulls. Like, the Michael Reinsdorf had, like, a thing where he invited media to come sure. out. And Tony Gill and I went over there. Now, Tony, like, averaged, like, 15 a game in okay. high school. Like, okay. he was a legit Decent. player. Right. And so I'm out there, and he's like, can you play? And I said, well, kind of. And I said, I'm not going to be going 100%. Right. I, at my age, <laughs> I'm going, like, 50%. Okay. And and, and Tony's like, well, I mean, don't you want – I'm like, yes, but I have to think about if I tear an ACL, yep. like what that does to my life
1: Everything at this point. Game changer. It
0: just ruins it. It just absolutely ruins it. So, of course, I'm like, Tony, you know, you, I know you're only 25, but you don't have to go like 100%. Like, they're <laughs> NBA players out here, first of all, so it's not going to be great for us anyway. <laughs> right. I got screened by Bill Winnington, man. Oh jeez. Oh my god. How like, long did it take you to get around that
1: screen?
0: It, it was, it was. He blindsided me too. Like it was a teeth rattling s- screen. I love
1: that he still laid it, no matter what. He's yeah, like, Lawrence Holmes care. doesn't matter. Like, he didn't here care. you
0: go. Uh, sure, you're a foot shorter than I am, a foot and four <laughs> inches shorter than I am. But take this screen. He laughed about it, I, and once I came too, I laughed about it as well. But, and of course, Tony gets hurt. No way. He what, got what, hurt.
1: What he, he hurt, hurt his knee.
0: He hurt his knee.
1: Oh, see. That would have. <laughs> oh, that's, but see, look, he bounced back in like one week.
0: Yeah. 25. He's, bounced he's back in one week. He's fine now. Yeah. but and, and he did it on the Bulls floor. So if you got an injury, like that's a great. He feels like
1: Derek Rose. Right. It's that's cool. well. I got you. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to go there because, you know, I love that kid. Don't do it. No. But I will say this, though. I feel like any, any young adult or young male that played basketball growing up, it's like, for me, it's like, well, damn. If i'm if I am gonna get hurt like that, well, at least I want to be playing until I get hurt, and then I get hurt, and then it's like, oh, I can't play ball anymore you yeah, that happens to so many people, but I know so many other guys that are like, I'm not playing ball because I don't want to get hurt i I actually kind of got the bug to play a little bit again,
0: and so yeah, I work at u of c like University okay. of Chicago, yeah. and I would
1: just go shoot. Like, th- that was like, okay, I'll go shoot a little bit. I'll do a couple of drills. That turns into a 21. It does. It, Immediately. It, it hey, does. Hey, hey, fam, we about to start up a 21. You want to play? Or,
0: or hey, we about to run this three-on-three three full.
1: No. <laughs> no. We're That's not going to do game. that.
0: <laughs> We're not doing that. That's not going to happen. But I. But in the back of your mind, you're sitting there going, man, I, I really don't want to get hurt. Like, this is... If you get hurt, even at twenty five, right? It's like, oh, okay, you got hurt no playing ball. You get hurt playing ball at forty three. Like it just it's sounds it's stupid. Over. It's done. Like, it's just so stupid. But to go back to where you're really, I, I really do like. I, I would love to go hit soon.
1: Okay. Like just like to, just to you know, go. Like, it's a good stress reliever. Yes, and it's a good workout. If you haven't hit the ball in a very long time, you hit the cages.
0: Man, your, your whole rib your quad cage, might be yeah. bad, all messed
1: up, <laughs> and all of a sudden your your arms are out, and it's like, yeah, so it's a good workout. It is. We should go. I, we should. We'll, well, I'm in. Let's do that. And now we could go to like sluggers. Yeah, i like, will even go to Wrigleyville. Their cu- their cages are actually decent. They're now. decent. The only thing is, I think it's like the fastest one. It come because it's on an angle. It kind of shoots out where you can't see the drop as well. Oh. So you're literally just being reactive in that moment. To try to swing it, which is cool, but I'd rather get the actual f- complete experience of you know seeing a drop, just like you would a pitcher seeing the delivery. Yeah, you need like, to see it. Yeah, so just <laughs> like you're just guessing and <laughs> reacting, throw so, the bat out there, right?
0: And hopefully, something happens. I guess when you're drunk, it doesn't matter. So facts. Yeah, that that, that is very much true. Although you could then walk into the path of the book. Bu- bu- but <laughs> hold on, the <this> story. <laughs> but I digress. When did you decide that you wanted to be in radio? At what point? Um,
1: you know, I was actually in a singing group really? Yeah. Yeah. I was in a singing group. And uh, so that's where like my love for music kind of came from. I was like, I was in a dance group first uh, in high school at Lane Tech. And then when I went to SIU, I was in an all black dance group, Fatal Fusion, like did footwork, like choreographed everything. Like that was my jam. And then um, me and my boys, we just kind of, it just kind of happened that we were like could sing a little bit. Not great, but you know, we were like the Puerto Rican B2K. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So we were dancing, that kind of thing. And then you know, just things happen within music. You know, B-96 played our song. We had a song on B-96 called Crush On You. We had a song on Power 92 called Going Down Tonight. Get out of here! We sang acapella live on Kiss FM. Yeah, with Mac at Night, for sure. A song called Latinas. Yeah. So I had a love for, for music, and we, we traveled, we did that thing. And then, uh, you know, we're still, those guys are my best friends. But, you know, things happen, and I really didn't want to pursue, like, a, a solo career or anything like that. I was nominated Songwriter of the Year at the Chicago Music Awards, like, four years in a row like wrote for different people, did all that kind of stuff. So my love for music runs deep, like deep. And then, you know, life hits you and you're like, okay, well, what the hell are you going to do? And I worked in finance and I hated it. I was a smart kid, you know, knew numbers well. Um, but it just wasn't my jam. Dealing with people's money and their stress, like that just wasn't for me. That's a level of stress that you add onto yourself yeah. that is unbelievable. It's just, and you don't want it, especially as a younger kid. I was like 20-something. I didn't, I didn't graduate college till later in life. You know what I'm saying? So then I was like, okay, well, I'm smart enough. To, I know I'm smart enough. I should just go get my degree or finish up my little credits or whatever. And so at SIU, I was doing, um, like, business. So then when I went over to uh, UIC, I, had, I, could, I finished my economics. I was, like, putting my, together my two-year plan, and it was like, okay, you got to fill in your economics courses here, and then you could do uh, electives, or you could just finish up this behavioral communication thing. And then I was like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And then I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I feel like I could do what they do on the radio. I don't know, it was like a you know, like a kid from the city, like felt well-rounded, felt like, you know, I don't know. I just felt like I could. You felt like you could represent the city well on the airwaves. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I felt like that was always lacking, right? Like, even though I loved Eddie and Jobo, you know what I'm saying? Like I felt like, okay, well, who was representing really for like the inner city? Like who was really talking about that? It wasn't crazy Howard McGee. No, it was not. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Trey, Trey, Trey and Naki on Power 92, they were they they were now, my favorite people were the Hot Boys. Let's go. If you really want to get into, like, who motivates me and who I think about when you're talking about the hypest thing that was ever happening, Mike Love and the Diz, they're, all their little babies are out here in the city of Chicago, and nobody really talks about them like that. But that is the truth. You're talking about Tone Capone. That's a baby of, of Mike Love and the Diz. Shag. You're talking about Shag. You're talking about uh, Shondell at Power 92. You're talking about me, Moondog. Like you're talking about people that literally grew up listening to these guys that are from Chicago and that was what Who's this on the birthday line? Is Gabriel? It's, it's Gabe? <laughs> like I did I busted that
0: out, <clears throat> I busted that out on the air a few days ago. Right. And I was laughing at, like, the reaction that came <laughs> yes. through on the text line. It's iconic. Because if you know, you know. Yes. I'm sure that there was, like, a 20-year-old that was like, I don't, what the hell is Lawrence doing? Right. But I'm sure that there was a 40-year-old that was sitting there yes. doing the thing. Hyped. And and you're right. You're right about, like, the impact that, I'm I'm a little older than you, so for me, it was Ramoneski Love and Disco Day. Okay, okay. But, but those guys, like Mike Love and the Diz are my contemporaries. Like they had they were in the industry a little bit before me. Right. But man, like their they had show, a they did everything right. Like the way that their show, the construction yes. of their show was fantastic. Like the 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 engagement that they got from their audience was out of this world.
1: If they, they could do a show in today's PPM world and it would still be successful. Agreed. Local, fun. Right. Entertaining. They they felt like they connected with you. So, yeah. So, I mean, seeing that stuff, I just felt like I could do that, you know. So uh, coming over to B96, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, that's something that just kind of like happened with my internship there. And, you know,
0: so 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 walk me through you being an intern at B96 and then that turning into you producing at B96.
1: Well, I interned with Eddie and Jobo um, and then it was literally in the middle of a shift. Eddie walked into my boss's office and was like, you need to hire this guy. But the reason why was because, like I said, I was from, I was in a singing group. So I, I was around Pro Tools and in the studio. So I knew editing. I knew how to, like, do certain things. So my boss hired me, and I was actually the overnight producer at uh, 104.3, which was at the time Jack FM. And then on the last day of my internship, my boss came and grabbed me and was like, hey, the overnight producer quit. Do you want these hours over here? And I was like, yes, yes immediately. So I would literally work overnight at B96, 12 to 5.00. Then I would finish my internship with Eddie and Jobo, 5 to 10. And then I would go straight to UIC and do my stuff over there. That and then, grind is real. And then I had a job job where I had to make money. Because remember, you know, like that's, I'm making $10 an hour working at B96. That, that's nothing, you know what I'm saying? So then I bounced around a little bit. I was the production director at XRT for almost a year while I was like tutoring and doing all that stuff. And then what happened was they rehired Eddie and Jobo. I remember that. And then 104.3 became K-Hits. And then what they did was they took one of their producers that was still at B96, Tony Kelly, one of my mentors, and they moved him back with Eddie and Jobo. And then now there was an opening for, like, a phone guy who was doing, uh, you know, social media and whatnot. And then they were like, yo, bring Gabe back down and put him back over there with the morning because he knows how to do a morning show he was with, Eddie and Jobo. So it was kind of like by default, like, they knew I knew what I was doing. And so they kind of just threw me in there because I would fill in for time to time when people were missing. So that was it, man. So that's why how, how I got there. And then, you know, getting on the air is like a whole other. Like, I I, I <laughs> trust trust. I want to get to that.
0: I do. But but I'm I am curious. So if having the experience of working with Eddie and Jobo, since we're talking about right. iconic radio sure. duos, what what was
1: that like for you? I mean, it was, dude. I mean, you're talking about Eddie and Jobo. I mean, again, just two legendary people. You know what I'm saying? So you you know, it's just like. Anything else, you got to pretend like you're not starstruck or you're not, you mm-hmm. know, in awe in all these moments that you deal with, you know, working in radio or media. But so you had to just live that life and just kind of be like, it's whatever. But to watch those two guys do their thing. And I've been the I've been in the room with some very talented people in that morning showroom before cracking the mic as the as the one of the main hosts with Nina. Right. Like. I've been in that room with some talented people. I I am a sponge in that room, right? Because the thing is, I didn't travel across the country, bounce around to different cities, and learn from all these other places. I learned only from right here. B ninety six, being in a cluster with you and you know all these other people, like I'm always watching and, and looking at that kind of stuff. So I mean, l- being in the room with them, it was just it, now I can look back. I, I I appreciate it more now than I did in the moment. In the moment, you're just in all watching. When you look back, you're like, okay, the chemistry that they had. How they bounced off one another, how they could finish each other's sentences, how Eddie could crack a joke in a millisecond, you know, based off whatever Joba was saying. So it was cool. Things to, things to grab for sure. Okay. So let's let's talk about you being
0: the guy who is able to crack the mic. How did you find that space where you were producing or producer yeah. Gabe? Producer
1: Gabe, yeah. Yeah. I hated that name. I know you do. Yeah. I, I did. I did.
0: And I, I understand why why you hated that name. Yeah. But how did you find that lane of I need to be doing my job, but I also am taking this opportunity sure. of of opening
1: the mic to let people know what I'm about. Sure. I think it it was it was actually it fell into my lap, the opportunity really. Um and I just took advantage of it. Um at the time we had an executive producer, her name was Mary Sandberg, and her specialty was, you know, she was systematic. She would get things done. She was really good at that stuff. But in terms of the technical side where you'd run the board, that wasn't her strong suit. So they needed someone to run the board. And so whereas I was answering the phones in, like, this backup room, they were like, well, are you cool running the boards? And I was like, absolutely. And then I said to myself in my head, don't put me in that room with a microphone in front of me because I'm going to say something. I'm going to crack a mic. So to me, that's, that's why I said it was kind of handed to me, but I took advantage of it. And I was like, I'm going to wait for somebody to say something, right? Better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I kept on doing it, and then Mary, the executive producer, was actually the one that was like, hey, this guy's actually very talented. You know, because a PD, let's just be honest, unless they're up that early, it's hard for people to be in a morning show room. No one's there. You're up so early, right? So you need someone to kind of, like, tell you what's going on in the room. So she said that, and then that's when I really got elevated to that to that level.
0: I'm a huge fan of Mary. I think she's one of the the real great radio producers of our era agreed she is no nonsense no not there's no there's no bullshit with her none whatsoever she her rolodex is amazing the the people that she can get on the
1: phone right the people that she's connected to and she'll never even mention that nope she'll never even mention that she she she'll just smirk at you while you're digging yourself a grave (laughs) you know what i'm saying she'll just be like huh (laughs) <laughs> That's adorable uh-huh. that, Okay, yeah, oh, Yeah. you know him? Okay, awesome Huh, you know, she's a savage You know, that was one thing I learned from Mary Like I said, I'm a sponge in that room, I learned things from everyone You can name anybody and I could immediately throw out whatever I've learned from them With Mary, it was that boss kind of You know, respond immediately And get, get things, because you can get things done Like there's no questioning what we're getting done This is what's getting done And I always learned that about, I respected that about her Especially with her emailing and stuff like that It was kind of tight, and like I said, she's the one who actually said Put the kid on the radio yeah, that's good. She's her her legacy is is
0: pretty long. Like it's it's impressive. Like all the the different talents that she's like come across yeah. and kind of helped. Damn. It's it's a at some point maybe you know what you just convinced like, me. You know? I, I gotta get married on <laughs> Of L. course you do. I, she I gotta, has some, She has amazing stories. Yeah, she's got. If she shares them, those stories are absolutely amazing. And she's been. A long time advocate of mine, so I'm shout out to her for sure for so sure. so you've been living this this morning show life for a long long, long time, yeah,
1: what time you get up? I'm up at like three forty five okay that's not terrible it's not terrible uh we do a good job of a uh, well now we do Nina and i uh planning the show in advance a, a good portion of it so that that way we're not pressed under the gun when you were show. producing was it that way, or were you getting up earlier um I think each show is different, right? Different roles, different responsibilities we'd show. Um, But I think ultimately I'm usually the first one there no matter what, you know, just to make sure I'm settled in and I'm at peace with myself. So 345 is just pretty standard.
0: I felt bad because this morning, like my morning cleared up. And I was sitting there going, should I just tell Gabe that I'll be there after the show? <laughs> I would hated you. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I would hated you. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I I'm glad that because I mean I had you come back here to, to record and I appreciate of it. Of course. I truly appreciate I've it. I got to nap. I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, so so what's walk me through your schedule? Okay. After the show ends, I think
1: the most important thing that if like if somebody really wants to just get a gauge of like what it's like to be on the morning show, the reality is Monday through Friday is one long day with a series of naps in between. Like, get that through your head right now. There's no sleep. There's no, I'm tired. There's no, oh my gosh, I i didn't get enough. Like just, just get that out your mind because it's not going to happen. Like, you're never going to be caught up on sleep. Here I am, 11 years in, people are like, but aren't you, like, used to it? No, there's no such thing as being used used to not getting sleep consistently for 11 years straight. Like, that's very serious. We read a lot of studies on The Morning Show about how sleep deprivation <laughs> can really... F- can I curse? Yeah! How sleep deprivation can really fuck you up. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's like, you know, that's there. So 3:45. So but I would say though by Wednesday my body will crash and I have to nap. Okay? So like Monday, Tuesday I might be busy doing a bunch of things after, you know, Monday I play ball, like you know that I play ball with my fellas. Tuesday I might watch my nephew, maybe go play ball again. So I haven't had a chance to nap. Wednesday it's like crash day. Get to the crib, eat something, and it might be 2 hours, it might be 4, I might be I'm So like, so you don't set an alarm never. like Never. Interesting. On a Wednesday like that when my body has to crash. Don't so get me you wrong. Just, I'm you the just king of the 15-minute naps. You allow your body to just kind of say, this is how much sleep Gabe needs. In, on those days, absolutely. And it, sometimes I'll sleep the whole, till tomorrow. If I go to bed at like 2, and I'm chilling, watch, about to watch like Judge Million or something like that on the couch, I might mess around. See, I like that I can I like a curse here. Come on. I might fuck around go to sleep all day for like the whole day till tomorrow. Wake up like 11, maybe eat a piece of bread and a, damn glass of water or something like that just to, <laughs> so that my body don't just deteriorate you know what i'm saying and then take my ass right back to bed super hyped up that i still got you know five hours of sleep to go right and then you're like i can just roll and here's the other thing oh i'm i'm on my i feel good right Come now on, I'm on let my it all out. this is the other thing fridays are you fucking kidding me you wake up at three forty-five in the morning and somebody wants you to go kick it on a friday night we're still young i still my people still go to the club so now it's what two in the morning because the club closes I'm breaking night like I'm fucking 17 years old every single Friday. What the fuck is that?
0: I I went, like I hosted the jam a couple Fridays ago. And I've done morning shows here and there, so I have an idea of how my body reacts. <laughs> right. And so did the show, came home, took my nap, did the radio show. My wife's like, "Are we going to go get dinner?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be good. I'm I'm good." I wasn't good. We we had dinner. No. And then I was like, boo, like I got it, it was a Friday? Yeah. Yes. I was like, I'm Tap I'm done.
1: Out. I'm Tap done. Out. I'm, yes.
0: well, as soon as we get home, I'm going to be asleep. And she's like, I don't care. She's like, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna take a long bath right. <laughs> and and do what you gotta do. And then the next morning I was fine. But that you think that like there's that allure of Friday. It's gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna perk myself up just because it's Friday, and then your body's like, hell no, No. that is not happening. You know where I'm going
1: tonight? Where to the Meek Mill concert? No. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. But you're like with friends, so what am I gonna be like? No, I can't because I know I'm gonna be crashed. So what do I do? I go. I took a 15 minute nap, but literally 15 minute nap before I came here. Like I said, king of the 15. You said there was another nap coming too. And when I get home, I will definitely do the. You know. Set the alarm at the last moment I could wake up and just fall asleep. And if I sleep till that moment, then so be it. If I wake up in between before that, so be it.
0: What's the ticket say on when Meek Mill is supposed to get on, on the stage? Now you know. I'm asking when <laughs> the ticket says. Nine o'clock. Eleven or we think? Eleven-ish for sure. I'm not even showing up till like 10. That makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I'm chilling. What's Both. the best concert that
1: you've been to because of your association with B96? Oh, good question. Um well, without a doubt, I'd say Just outside of B96, Music Soul Child. I just wanted to throw that out there because that was the first thing that popped in my head. Hustle Blues, Music Soul Child. Like, I'm an R&B dude. Um, But the best concert with B96, so you're saying where they've thrown it? Just because. Or maybe like because I got tickets. Because you're Gabe from B96. (laughs) Bruh. I'm sitting 300 level section every concert I go to. Dead ass serious. Okay. (laughs) So, like, it's not even about that. But I would say, I don't know. I've seen a really good Beyonce concert. That works. Like, put on a good show. Like, I'm all about that. But I do love a live band. I love somebody that could rock out with a live band. I I like maybe Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z. Cause you know why? I, I like a good band. I like performance. I like engaging. Like, you know why I like that's why I like Nelly so much. Okay. I didn't know that you were Nelly's fan. I mean, I'm not like a Nelly, like I know his words to like all his songs, but I always liked his performance because him and his guys, the St. Lunatics, they would always be like, do some choreography with whatever they were doing. So he wasn't like a rapper with a mic and a DJ. You know what I'm saying? He had a little, it was a little depth there to him. And he he understood like the entertainment side of it. So I appreciated that. So again, Justin Timberlake. There you go. Okay. So Justin Timberlake, Justin Jay-Z. Timberlake, Jay-Z. Yeah, my wife and I will often rap Nelly
0: in, in yeah. the car. Like we Oh, when well, Country Grammar, because I mean it's just a classic. And she's a Cardinals fan, so it's oh, like, geez. Yeah, it's so that, she
1: really loves Nelly. Oh my God. It's the whole thing. I it's, can't. It, yeah. When I'm, I was when I was at, when I told you I went to SIU. Oh, it's nothing but. Are you kidding me? It's St. Luna everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So many Air Force ones I couldn't stand it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was good. I'd say, uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who else I, w- I would have said. Uh, there's people that people that I meet that I really like. I, I don't get like we were talking about before. You got to act like you're cool and you don't really like you know get starstruck for anybody. But I say when I, met, when I met when I met Nicki Minaj, I was in. So she it was intoxicating. It, I was in the whole way. You know I'm still mad at you, right, for not telling you this, that who was here? J Lo. I mean, what you want me to do? Super high, super high tech security. I can't even tell. No, I can't even tell my mom.
0: I'd have been here in ten minutes. Listen,
1: I had to, <laughs> I had to control myself. Little J Lo, look at me. I'm all geeked up right now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, is is that like the
0: the for a, a Puerto Rican star of his own right in the city <laughs> so to sunny. meet to meet J Lo and yeah. to then be with J Lo yeah. on
1: air? What's that like? I think you know, as a Puerto Rican male, right? To be more specific, right? And she's her being a Puerto Rican female. I think to me it's it's it was epic just for me it's nothing it's, I've never like said this out loud but for me it was so big cuz like you know Puerto Rico's such a small island you know what I mean but it makes such big waves around the globe right because you're talking about international superstars like a Jennifer Lopez or a Mark Anthony right people that those are recognizable names in around the globe so so to be in that space with her and be like wow we're like from this little place hmm. and here we are meeting up in Chicago you know what I mean to interview you know for me to interview it's just like but I didn't live there you know, I asked her about, I asked her about, you know, being a Latina that where Spanish is not your primary language, you know, and like that whole like dealing with people, because that's like a whole other thing. Are you a Spanish speaker? Si, sí, yo puedo hablar español. Eso es la verdad. Pero la problema es que, hey guys, I'll stop right there. <laughs> so, no, but, I want
0: to hear what the problem yeah. was. Oh, hey,
1: okay, Loris. <laughs> um, the, the pro- the, I, <laughs> I like that. I see you. I'm gonna check your resume of women you've dated over since you were in high school. I okay. mean, you, you kind of know a few. So, oh, damn. <laughs> all right. So, the thing is this, though, right? Like, when you're a Spanish, when you're, when you're a, uh, especially like Puerto Ricans, because we're so Americanized, right? Like, we were the ones that were able to come here legally in the 50s, right? So, we've had more American culture in our life than any other Latin race, right? Or maybe like Mexicans in the South, you know what I'm saying? But I'm talking about like that kind of wave. So, yeah, we've assimilated in a way that others haven't. You know what I'm saying? Is that, that, no, it, it completely makes sense. Yeah. but you you rep it pretty hard, I, and and I think that that's good. You know what's funny, Lawrence, is that I, I really feel, and this is interesting. You know, like how the, the big thing now is like the Chicago flag, mm-hmm. like that's everywhere. Everybody's like I'm repping the Chicago flag. Right? I love it. Now, I it it is a I, I'm actually like my scarf. I'm wearing like a scarf that has a Chicago flag. And the people on it. identify with that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that when I was growing up, right, every Puerto Rican had a Puerto Rican flag. Because that's that's what they identify with from where, wherever they were coming from. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like now, when you look twenty years removed from that or whatever that might be, people identify with the city of Chicago so much more. And I think me personally, that's what I identify with, right? Because when I go to Puerto Rico, they don't. There's a there's a phrase that they say, "que él es de afuera." He's from outside, and they like that's a fact. Like you're not you're you might be Puerto Rican, but but you're tú eres de afuera. You're from you're from out there. Tú no eres de aquí, right? So. You're not viewed as a Puerto Rican in there. And then when you come over here, you know, obviously you're Puerto Rican, but you're not viewed as like a full on like white guy, right? So you're 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 in that middle trying to like identify with what what you are, you know what and I'm saying? Because there's also the black diaspora aspect of 100%.
0: Puerto Rico too. Of course. And so you have to kind of it, it is a it is a fascinating place. I I loved going there. I'm beautiful. planning on going back. It beautiful. There, but I think that that the when it comes to Puerto Ricans in America, yeah. The the line that you guys have to walk is a really interesting one that I'm not sure that Man. is all
1: the things that we just talked about, like the the idea of identity. All my cousins say the N word. How do you feel about that? You want my honest opinion? Like in real life, real life, I grew up. I I can't say the N word anywhere else. Right. But like, gee, when I'm with my real like gang banging drug Whatever being like growing don't let's not forget I grew up in the inner city, you know what I'm saying so like you're talking about when people when people talk about that stuff, I'm always like people think like oh it's it's I don't even want to go I don't even want to go there all right I don't yeah. even want to get too deep with it what I'm saying is this though I got people that do that that's what they say you know like it, it, that's part of their culture because it's an inner city poverty driven culture that you're coming from well, I also think that now we could get like really academic with it sure. I also think that
0: the connection to the black diaspora Is part of it, too, where there's probably been some portion of their life when they have been called that. And I don't mean in a friendly way. Yes. You know what I mean? Of course we have. So so that's where I think that a lot of that comes from. And then trying to figure out the the usage of the word, like who gets to use it, who doesn't get to use it, is – It's actually like podcast worthy, like, and I'm sure that there have been plenty of podcasts on it. But it's been discussions that I've had with some of my my Cuban friends, some of my Puerto Rican friends uh, upon. Is it appropriate right to to you to use? And and my response is usually that if. You have some. uh, We're going to get in so much trouble for this. You have (laughs) some right to the word if the word has been used against you. Okay. Like you have some ownership of that word, okay. If it's been used against you in a derogatory way, okay. That is not to say that I'm saying that you're giving the free pass for everybody. That I hear you. Yeah, you're just saying because because I because I think if people do use it in your presence, right. then it's up to you to go. I'm sorry. What was right. that? I hear you. What what do you, what what do you mean? But I but but again, like that to me is a byproduct of. The way that the world looks at the way America looks at Puerto Ricans. Right. Like I'm all about the black diaspora and the interconnectivity and uh, the intersection of the black diaspora and the Spanish diaspora right. and where those two kind of <laughs> mix and intermingle. Right. And how there's still issues with us like getting along. Like, it's, it's a it's a fascinating thing.
1: It is. I mean, and I just, you know, growing up, like I said, you know, I played basketball and football at Lane Tech. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's only, and here's the thing, right, as a Puerto Rican, I really want to put this out there. There's only, when you're playing sports especially, like, there's black kids and there's white kids. There's no, like, slice of Puerto Rican pie that's there for you to identify with and grow up culturally. So my Puerto Ricanness comes from my family, right, not from who I was really hanging around. I didn't hang around, like, the Spanish clique at Lane Tech, right? And then when I go to, when I go to SIU, now you're at higher level ed- education where there's 3% of the population that are Latino, but it's, like, super Mexican, Right, not this like Americanized kind of hood, kind of like whatever that might look like. It's black and white. So you, I like you have like you are then engulfed and pigeonholed into one or the other. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about just in higher level. I'm just not talking about education. I'm talking about in your neighborhood where you're living at. Let's not forget. Like I said, if I didn't have this damn job, I, I'd be out here li- working in Chicago some other job anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that is. I went to a I went to a show. God, I can't remember the name of it. I'll. I'll once I remember it
0: was right over here though. Um, It's uh, God, I can't believe I'm missing the name of it. But the whole story was it told a collection. It was a musical, sure, and it was a collection of stories of Spanish-speaking people in America. Oh,
1: Havana Havana
0: Nights. Yes, it was. uh, No, no, it was a woman's name. There's a woman's name. It was something Havana, but it was it was it was something like that. My boy
1: Mikey O is in that play.
0: And it was amazing. And one of the stories that they told were how Puerto Ricans in
1: Chicago were moved from the lakefront in Lincoln Park. Yes. And that's how Humboldt Park Are you kidding me? ends up happening. My grandfather, rest in peace, would always tell me, I grew up right there on La Salle. Because, you know, you the double L. <laughs> North Avenue and La Salle. <laughs> that's where the, all the Puerto Ricans were. Them, them big-ass high-rise high buildings with all those people, th- those old-ass buildings, those were full of Puerto Ricans. And then in Lincoln Park, Oz Park, where everybody was at, those were all Puerto Ricans. And then you get moved to Humble Park. And then all of a sudden, what? You get gentrified over there. That's why, here, since I could be real on this podcast, you want to know what my favorite thing in Chicago is? As a Chicagoan, when the gentrifiers get gentrified. It is my most most favorite thing that happens in the city. Give me an example. You're in Wicker Park 20 years ago, and you gentrified that neighborhood from the Puerto Ricans that lived there initially, right? And then you were like the low-rent, hipster nation that lived there. And then all of a sudden... 20 years later, the new Wicker Park comes, the richer white people that are there, and they kick you out, and now you're bitching and complaining. And now they're like, we're going to build high-rises. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going to block the view of that the lake. That is my favorite thing <laughs> in the city of Chicago when the gentrifiers get gentrified. It is my favorite thing. Havana, Madrid. Havana, Madrid. There you go. That's the name of yes. the play.
0: It was so good and had such a great time. But yeah, I remember, I didn't know that. Yes. Like, as someone who loves history, and Chicago history in particular— I didn't know that part of the story. Yes. I had always thought, okay, well. We just landed in
1: Humble Park? No, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> neighborhoods are neighborhoods. No, so you're thinking that, that
0: you know, a couple <laughs> families move into one area. Sure. And then more families come in. I didn't know that it was a forced migration off of the lakefront. Yes. Over there into Humboldt Park. I mean,
1: like I said, man, Puerto Rican since the 50s. Lawrence, since the 50s. Back. So, so you're talking about Humble Park from, like, the 70s. There's still 20-something more years to go for you to figure out where the Puerto Rican people have been in this city in particular. Have you ever looked
0: at—you know I'm a comic book dude. Okay. Have you ever really looked at Captain America's uniform?
1: Of course. Because he's basically Captain Puerto Rico. I (laughs) I, I wore the outfit one year, and I called myself Captain Puerto Rican American. I was on that. Trust me. I was like, what? Listen, that's a meme going around the Puerto Rican community. Everyone, that's that's been a joke just, that just goes. Okay, good. Because every time I, like, someone had pointed it out to me while I was in Puerto Rico. And I was like, yeah. It's hilarious. it, It actually is the Puerto Rican flag that he is repping. Yeah. I'm very proud to be Puerto Rican, though. You know what I mean? I think that's one thing about Puerto Rican people. They're very prideful people. And I definitely am that. You know what I'm saying? But I equally Am as prideful like everybody else that's from here as a, as a Chicagoan. You know but what I'm
0: saying? I actually do think that there's something valuable about being Puerto Rican
1: from Chicago. Like, there's something. It's yeah. different than being a New York Puerto Rican. You can drop me off anywhere. That's the benefit. Chicago is such a city. You, if you're from here, you get, you're get you molded by everything. You're, you literally are a product of your environment, and that environment is crazy. You're doing jazz, hip-hop, house music. You, you might not even like house music, but if— Get, get down, 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 down. You're like, hey. You know, it's just because that's what you're just from. So I think being, you're right. I think being a Chicagoan that's diverse, you could slap me anywhere in the city. And just because of, who, like, my upbringing as a Chicagoan in the city, you can you know, I can identify with anyone. 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 What do you think is the future of FM radio? I think FM radio goes nowhere. You think it's fine? I think it's fine. I'll tell you why. Because we're lazy people. Habits are hard to change Listen, for listeners. Listen, I got Spotify. And I'll say, from a percentage standpoint, and that's because sometimes I just hate listening to the radio station, I want to listen to something else. 50%, 50% of the time, I don't even want to plug it up. 50% of the time, my Bluetooth's off. And by the time I'm already moving and shaking, the radio's on. I'm listening to Lawrence Holmes. I'm listening to whoever I'm listening to on the radio at that point. And that's what happens. Your drive is 15 minutes long. You're, you know, granted, there are those people that have those hour-long commutes, but the majority of the trips that are taken here in the are city, are short. they're short ones. So... Are you really spending five minutes almost dying looking at your phone trying to connect to Spotify? No. Now, when it comes on the car, all this stuff like that, I mean, I don't know. But I just think personally, this is how I feel. When I come home from the club, I don't want to hear anything at all. Right? There's some people that like hearing music right? when you come home from the club. I, I like silence. That's me. In the morning, I don't want to hear music. In the morning, I want to hear somebody talking. In the morning, I want you to entertain me. Don't tell, get, stop, get me to stop thinking about this shitty-ass day I'm about to have. These kids that are complaining. This money I ain't got. These bills I got to pay. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's dealing with this drama. My mom's sick. Whatever that might be. And in the morning, Katy Perry is not going to make you feel better. But if I'm telling you about these potholes over on the 290 right before I get on, you might identify with me. You might laugh and be like, man, I fuck with Gabe. It's so funny to me. I didn't realize this until
0: a few years into being on air every day that there were a lot of FM dudes that liked my show. Yes. And I was like, I don't, like, that's weird. And then I realized, because I am the reverse. (laughs) I do the show where I'm talking for four hours. I don't want to listen to anyone talk anymore. I end up listening to what's going on on B96 or what's happening on Jams or what's happening on uh, XM Fly sure. or, or whatever. whatever. And I didn't realize that it was the reverse for all of my music people that are being like, oh no, I
1: get done with my shift and I turn on the score. Immediately. And then listen to what you guys are doing. Immediately. It's so crazy. I mean, it's just, you're, you're, you're hearing the same songs, right? I mean, let's just be real, right? You're listening to the same songs all the time. So, the last thing I wanna do is put it on GCI and hear, you know, Lil Yachty again. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Now, GCI is one of my favorite stations. For sure. But you triple know, dot that I. Triple, quadruple, crit mid dip. Don't get me started. <laughs> Listen, I love GCI. <laughs> I love Chicago radio. So you know, I think I think that's why I'm a fan of yours as well. You know, you just you've been around for so long, and so you know you listen to people no matter what it is. You low key mm-hmm. called me old. That's fine. Um, I could say it. you've been on the wait, wait, wait. people could say they've been listening to you for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird actually now <laughs> for me because now there are like sports radio guys around the country. Oh, whereas oh like, I see. I grew up listening to you, and I'm like, what? Like my mom shout out to my man Rami who was in Milwaukee and is now in Minneapolis, and he's like. I listened to you and Zampillo back in the day when you guys were just starting out, and Jason Leisure, who writes for the Sun Times, who is a like a big player on the Dan Lebatard show. Sure, when he came and moved here to cover the Blackhawks, like I introduced him because I love that show. Like of I listened to it all the time, and I used to love when he would be on. He's like, I walked up to him in Blackhawks, and I was like, Hi, you know, I'm Lauren Holmes. He's like, No, 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 I'm sweet. I'm well aware of who you are. That's I, sweet. I was like, Oh. It's like, because my wife told me to say hi, because right. we listen to the <laughs> yeah. Show. Yeah. And it's like, you have these connects. My man, Hitman, and Charlotte, like all these guys. Sure. Where it's, and now that's going to be you, dog. <laughs> Seriously. Like right. now, there, there is a kid in college right now that's getting ready to start right. his on air that used to listen to Producer Gate, right. who's now the morning show host of B96. That's a cool thought. It's a great thought. It's a really cool thought. That, 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 that influence of everything, like all of your story, that influence is now going to carry on into yeah. someone else. Yeah, that, part, that part's crazy, you know?
1: And spark their career. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. I mean, I was, I was literally at Roadie today right here on Lake, and then I rolled in there with Tony Kelly, the executive producer of the US 99 morning show. And then we rolled in, and then like, the dude like damn near lost his mind, Spanish kid. It's usually a Spanish kid that comes up to me and is like, yo. And I'm like, yo, keep grinding it. I want to see you be the manager of this place. And he's like, don't trip, bro. We out here. We working. We getting. This. I'm like, okay, that's what's up. Because that's why I feel like the vibe. I'm trying to like. I don't want to just motivate you to do, you know, radio. Work hard. Be a good person. You know what I'm saying? Everybody and all my people that are listening. say, like, you ain't got to be no damn thug. You ain't got to be. No, but even if you make a little scratch, like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Work hard. Be a good person. And I like when I see that. That's what. That's what gets me. Let's talk about TV for a minute. Okay, can we talk about the fact that? If you remember, I was talking to you about how to get on TV right before I got on TV. Correct. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. I literally was like, "Lawrence, tell me the secret sauce." I told you as many secrets as I had, and I put it to use. I'm,
0: <laughs> I I'm <am> appreciative of <laughs> so, that. See that like it's so funny to me. Like I was thinking about it the other day like how you you intersect with people and like it makes me happy that yeah. you got that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Because it makes me feel like I may
1: have given him yes. one good piece of advice yes. on, on how to make this whole thing work. Dude, I think the one thing you don't give yourself enough credit for, right, is that, like, in a room full of cookie-cutter people, like, you do things just a little different that makes you stand out, right? And you're doing it in a way where people are like, oh, cool, it's not the cookie-cutter way, right? So when I see you on TV, you're not, like, a stuffy host, like a media, like all right, everybody. Not trying to, tr- not trying to trash anybody that does that, cause that's paying the bills. That's what you're doing, right? But when you have someone that's just a little bit different, then you're like, that's swaggy. I like that, and you identify with it, right? So for me, when I look at you and I'm like, okay, I would never be on. You'll never catch me on, under the all right, everybody, act ever. So I look at you and I'm like, okay, well, you did it, right? And I look up to you in that way. So I'm like, well, what, well, what did you do? What, what was the mindset there? How are you being? What is the different? You know, differences. That's why I asked you that. So. Yeah, it was. I mean, and then you just you know kind of just started happening. Yeah, I'm that's glad. been crazy. Look, that's been crazy. This TV, this the TV thing's been crazy. What do you like about it? I love that it's challenging, right? You've been doing morning radio for so long; it becomes a bit redundant at times. You kind of feel like you know what t- you should be doing in certain situations. But the, the the story with TV, the way that I tell when I talk about hot being challenging, I've never been on TV before, ever. Like, not in college, not in anything. Like, I just never been on TV before. I do my first episode of Bears Unleashed on a Friday. And I'm like, damn. I just recorded this 30-minute show. This is crazy. It airs Saturday. The senior, I don't even know the not titles, but whoever the head of sports at Fox is, is like, yo, saw you. Uh, Bears Unleashed, you did good. I got this opening for uh, Final Word on Sunday. You is in? Is it John Eskra? John Eskra. Good man. Love that guy. Super nice guy. Then he's like, hey, you, you in? I'm like, Absolutely. So now here's the, here's the part of this thing where I talked about the pressure and, and it being a new challenge. Now I'm sitting on the desk. It's me, Pete McMurray, and, ah, drawing a blank, Mitch Robinson. And then all of a sudden the producer goes, all right, we're going live in five, four. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it was like the slowest five seconds of my <laughs> life because I literally thought to myself, holy shit, I've never been on live TV before in my life. And these motherfuckers don't know that I've never been on TV before, live TV. And I was like, people work extremely hard to get to this place. And so I was extremely grateful. And then I thought to myself, okay, like I say in most situations where I've been given opportunities, you're giving the opportunity, knock that shit out the park. Yep. Knock that shit out the park because no one knows what you're about to do right now. That's the the beauty of it. They're like, here, go be on this bear show. And you're like, okay. And no one knows what you're going to do. No one knows if you're going to be good hey, we want to put you on Sports Talk Live with Cap and some, like, real-ass sports people. Hub Arkish, David Haw. You're talking about some, like, real-ass people, and then you're there with them. They don't know what they're going to get. But I take the fans' perspective, right? I'm a Chicago guy. I love the Bears. I love the White Sox. I love the Bulls. I'm indifferent about the Cubs, right? Yeah, well. But I'm saying, that's my approach. So it when, is your when approach. I'm on these, when I'm on these TV shows and doing this thing, like, that's just, that, so I'm not out Unless there trying to be. Unless there's tattoos involved. Shout out my brother, Brandon. He's a good man for that. That's
0: pretty crazy. <laughs> you know Spit
1: on my water. <laughs> He's a
0: good man for that.
1: Yeah, the year the, Bears, uh, the, year the Cubs uh, lost to the Mets, my brother thought they were going to win the World Series, so I bet him uh, that they wouldn't, and they didn't. So he got a Cubs, or a, I'm sorry, a Sox, White Sox tattoo. A White Sox tattoo on his butt. That is, and you would have had to get a Cubs one, right? Cubs logo. Cubs logo on your butt. On my butt. <sighs> I told him it made for a good story. I don't have any tattoos, so. Dude. That would have been my first and only tattoo. A damn Cubs, I would have been so pissed. Dude. But I knew they weren't going to win. Come on. They were, like, they were lightning hot that year. And they were just running to and, some good And teams. then Daniel Murphy was just like. Exactly. Boom, boom, was was like, there's just boom. no way. I was like, there's no way. No way. After they swept the Cubs, I got him when he was hot. Did he cover it up, or is it still no. just a White Sox? One? Still there. He, listen, I, I, I told him how to use it to make it work for him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Facts. That's good. So I I I like where your head's at yeah. on that one. That, that that's a good idea. Yeah. So so now that you're in this this spot where you're doing bear stuff. Yeah. It, are you are you seeing a difference in the people
1: who go? Hey, I know you. You know what? No. To be honest, it's happened one time, and it was like a couple of weeks ago, where someone was like, "Oh, actually, you know what? Lie two times." I was at True Lux over the weekend. Michael Wilbon was there. Oh, this is a funny story. About. The lady, the girl's walking us to our table. It's me and my brother walking, as a matter of fact. And it's a family dinner. So we're at, going to Trulux, and the young lady says, hey, do you guys like sports? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, Mike Wilbon's going to be sitting next to you, so don't freak out, okay? And then I was like, oh, damn, cool. So we walk over to the table. Well, the chef is waiting at the table, and he's like, Mr. Ramirez. And I'm like, hey. He's like. Dude, I'm a little too old to like you on B96, but I love you on Sports Talk Live. And I was like, oh shit! I'm like, this is cool as fuck right now. And I'm like, I'm like, that's what's stuff. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're gonna take care of you. And I was like, this. Is... So she looks at me and she's like, oh, so you're somebody important too?
0: Bitch, were you trying to play me right
1: now? Were you trying to play me? And now you just—it's cool.
0: Now you know I'm famous. No, it's cool.
1: <laughs> no, nah, it was it made for a great story. So, uh, but that hasn't happened uh, yet. But I will say this: the way the way TV people. Are made up. Well, you know, you've been. It's different. It's different. It is different. I'll tell you that right now. From radio people, they are different. But the thing is, is that what a lot of television
0: producers and executives are looking for are radio people because yes,
1: we have to think on our feet. I'm live all the time. I can I can segue off of anything. I can bounce off of anybody. I, there will not be any silence. And I, and I think that's the benefit of being on the radio and working in live radio. You that you you get to do that. You're absolutely right. But I'll tell you this: the one thing that I that uh, when I was on TV, uh, always the brokest person in the room. Sure, always because you're it's, it's rich, football rich. players and rich TV people are rich, rich. Okay,
0: can I just Trying let to me get to that level? Let me share this with you. <laughs> so you broke, know, broke? No. so you know, I do a show with Lance Briggs and Matt Forte you're rich, and Alex Brown. I'm not rich, <laughs> rich. I'm joking, <rich>. Lawrence. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm doing you're good, okay. You're good, you're good. I'm fine. I have money in the bank, but right. We ended up in a text exchange with Charles Tillman. I'm going to pick that name up that I just dropped. Sure, love it. And he's like, guys, you guys, you got to get a Peloton. So we're sitting there in this text exchange and – all the guys like, oh, do you really like it? Yeah, maybe I'll get one, blah, 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 blah. Sure. And I was like, this is some rich people shit. Dude. I'm not getting a Peloton. I can't afford, I can't afford a Peloton. What are these the conversations that you dudes have? That, that we're just like willy-nilly talking about getting Pelotons in yeah. our home. Yeah. So so like I went home and I was like, okay. Let me see how much a pallet. And I was like, no. This is ridiculous. I mean, absolutely, absolutely not. This is ridiculous. Like th- the whole idea that this came up as a conversation a joke. is ridiculous. It's a
1: joke. I'm going to tell you this right now. Elena. You know who that is? Yes. Continuity director for XRT. Under her desk is my version of the Peloton. It was a $24 peddler. Yeah. Now that's that's my that's my speed right there. Sure. $24 put it underneath the thing and have it roll. Like you better get this rich shit out. Too of much. much. I was like, "Fucking rich guys, like get out of here!" Like, you know who's known for that? Do you know who Dr. Ian Smith is? Oh yeah, dude, the nutritionist. Yes, good friend, good friend, super cool dude. Is he like buy a Tesla? <laughs> he's like this, throwing his Aston Martin keys on the table. Mm. You can't. I can't even leave the house for less than ten thousand. I'm like, holy shit! What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Then he's like, Gabe, Gabe, because he knows I like to gamble. He's like, Yo, man, we want to hit these tables. Like what tables? The ten dollar tables. I'm like, the craps tables with you? No, I'm absolutely not. I'm gonna put up my little 12 bucks to make to make proper. (laughs) And he's throwing out 240. No, absolutely not. Can I get six and eight for a quarter? (laughs) He's like, change back. Let me get that one change. Like, are you serious right now? He would do that all the time. It would blow my mind. He'd be like, Yeah, he like, so hey, doctor Henry, he's like, Man, I'm coming with the kids. You know, we went to Paris, we went to the Louvre, but it was a private tour. You know, because we can't wait in (laughs) last. I'm like, that's just some like I get it though. But listen, listen though, just so we are, just so we're very clear. Dr. Ian, extremely intelligent individual, works extremely hard. No doubt. Right? So I get it. You're on that level because you're working at that level. Look, I'm not g- at that level working that, like that. Those guys have earned their money. Yes. And facts. I'm not begrudging them
0: their money. No. I'm just saying, don't that, me in that when, when Alex wants to have a conversation about Teslas and yeah. Elon Musk, I'm not here for it. <laughs> I'm not here for that conversation. Like that conversation, right. I'm, I don't belong in it. So you, or when <laughs> we had one show this year where 14 had I was like, were you in town? Were you? He's like, oh, I just I just flew back from London this morning. I'm oh, like, hell no. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Right. He's like, oh yeah, you know. You know. I'm no, I was just over there. Know. No, I don't I, know. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I just flew in from
1: Algonquin. You I know, just, know, like I just walked from London House. Right. I <laughs> didn't. It's not right. the same. And, it's and the they same. don't
0: even let me in there. Like you know, it, it's just <laughs> it, it is insane. So yeah, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that goes nah. through that. But nah. when you're around like real money,
1: yeah, it's different. It, it very it really much is, different. but it's cool. It's, it's humbling, but at the same time, I think uh, like I was the conne- I'm the connector in a lot of those situations. Like for Bears Unleashed, definitely the connector. Like the way I rock with Corey, like Corey and I are boys now. Like we're always hitting each other up. Shay, she's just cool in, in her own right. She's great, you know what I'm saying? But like we we've had some intimate conversations about like you know life, life. You know what I mean? And then Britt, the same way where like she was, I'm helping her with her fantasy football team, and you know I'm like, damn, show me another picture of your kid, like. Like I'm the glue in that room, you know. I'm saying I I felt like I was the connector in that moment because I didn't care. I wasn't. I'm not feeling myself in that situation. I'm there to learn. I'm a sponge. I've never done this before, and I'm not gonna act like I'm the shit, right? Like I'm in here, like Corey. I see when you did that. Why were you thinking? Hey Shay, when you opened up, you know, what you know, I saw the segue you did. Was it because of this? Like you know, I'm in there doing those kind of things, and you make people feel comfortable in those moments when you're willing to learn. I I think that your approach is a really, really good one, and I'm happy that that you got
0: that opportunity. And because I knew that if you got it, yeah. It was a wrap. That once they let you kick in the door, that in the four four, yeah, you you were gonna <laughs> you were gonna yeah. handle yours and be all right. So I I never worried that you weren't going to be a part of that and it be a good thing. I I'm really happy for
1: you, man. Thank you, thank you. It's a, uh, I look forward to more of it. You know what I'm saying? Just like growing, growing as a, as a talent, right? Like I feel like it helps me out so much being in those kind of situations because that's how I led with this, right? I feel like it's challenging. That's the best part about it. It's something new, right? So I feel like for me, it just makes me a more well-rounded individual. I'm sure it has to have done some, like, something like that, right, for you, like being in those, in those first moments of being on NBC or, you know, like before before the Lance Briggs show, you were already, you know, doing a bunch of stuff by that time. It's weird because
0: my TV career in Chicago kind of started weird. Like it was, it was an offshoot of me doing Bear stuff on the score right. where they, Channel 5, it said, why don't you come in and talk Bears? <laughs> Do Bear stuff over here. Basically my first TV gig was can you teach Zoraida about football. And I was like, sure. So we like did this whole thing game day where I would come on for 6 or 7 minutes, sure. And explain to her like That's cool. the game and it was dope. Like I thought it was so much fun. She was terrific. She like went with it. Like and, like football's not right. really her thing and she went with it and she's like, "Okay, so I don't <laughs> understand and you have to kind of go back to, right. this is a football.
1: Oh, like, you okay. have to kind of okay. start there. <laughs> okay.
0: And and from there, they said, it was one of those things where, and you have brought it up, you have to keep saying yes. Always. When, when you were offered the opportunity to move from intern to producer, yes. you said yes. Always. And they said to me, well, how would you feel about coming and being on Sports Sunday? Yes. I, I would like to do that. And then when, when Paula Ferris was leaving, channel five to to go work and they said do you think you can read a teleprompter yes (laughs) uh yeah yeah (laughs) i can totally do that so i think that there's a real power in that that people don't always understand that even if you're not proficient in something you can get yourself to the point where you are and then you can take the
1: the feedback from the people that you're working with and get better you're still talented Right. You might not necessarily know how they're doing it or how you're supposed to do it in that way. But your talent is still there. And then all of a sudden now you're just kind of morphing into that person who's like, OK, oh, you need me to read the prompter like this and then do it like that. Oh, OK, I could do that. Now I'm just injecting myself, you know, with and or excuse me, marrying myself with that skill set. Now I've done now I'm doing that. And now. now you got it. Yeah. And it's fun. How's Nina? Nina's great. Nina is the I would say the hardest working person that I've worked with be in the, 96 in the 11 years she matches my work ethic. Your grind is equal equal. that's why I love being in a room with Nina. like she's willing to do anything right she's not she's not She doesn't think she's better than the room right so for, but I think it it comes from like we've both been slighted in our careers, right like everybody's been slighted in their own way, whatever job you have right but she's always been like the female secondary side chick side girl, you know sidekick yeah mean let's side not chick. say side chick i meant sidekick let's right. put that on the show on monday <laughs> oh damn Nina. sorry about that um so she's always been that perennially and then then i've always been like the the producer like i said i hated the name producer because i felt like i was pigeonholed into an area where it's like oh you're the producer it's like no 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 bro i'm i'm, I'm like adding content to the show so don't don't pigeonhole me yeah i'm you're we're fortunate that i'm pushing buttons and making things work but i'm i'm a third mic let's call it a third mic that produces Instead of a producer that does that. So we've been slighted in our own right. So I think when we come together, two people that are willing to work hard and that have been slighted and we give mutual respect to one another. Right? I look at her and I'm like, here, you want to open a break? Absolutely. Whereas I'm sure other guys that she worked with was like, are you crazy? You know what I'm saying? You want to close the break? You're great at teases. You're great at segues. Do that. I don't care. Especially, in a de- especially on International Women's Day. Right. Like a day like today, like how, what the what? She's super talented. So I'm in a room with a talented female... Who works hard? Jeez, yes. Watch us do our thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, but outside of that, she's a uh, you know, she's real. She's 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 not gonna like hide herself. Who she is, she's, she she ho- she stays true to that. And that I comes also over think that
0: you guys have a cultural
1: flavor that I don't know if we've ever seen. Yeah, right. You've never seen a a a, a Latin male and a Persian half Persian. German and Irish female on the radio, nah, that's
0: fantastic. Like I met her, we we did Windy City Live, yeah, together. I think maybe like the second day she was in town, yeah. I was like, oh, and we met, and she was super nice, and she was super on it, on like it. she wasn't afraid of the moment. No, and that can be like now you're in front of a live audience on television in a city that's brand new to yes. you, and she
1: just came in and did the damn thing. Yes, you know, I mean, it was, it, you know, it was. Tough for her to come here initially, right? She had to make some serious decisions on her career and what she wanted to do. But, you know, she bet on herself. She wanted her name to be on a show. You know what I'm saying? She had, that, that hadn't happened like that before. So now it was Drex and Nina, you know what I'm saying, had her name on there. So, so I understand. You know, and you want to be successful. And I think that, you know, partnering the two of us together is a successful recipe because you got two people that are willing to work hard. One of the things I always like
0: to ask people on the pod is, what advice would you
1: give someone who wants to do what you do? You know, when I, when I talk to kids, the number one thing I tell them is, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, everyone, everyone has to work hard, right? But the thing is, you got to outgrind the people around you. And that includes, like, people that are on the radio. Because there's a lot of lazy motherfuckers on the radio that are, like, ready to get replaced because they're just not working hard, right? But if you're working hard from the beginning, like, you can't just start working hard once you get a, the position. Like, you have to, okay, so I'm an economist. My degree's in economics. and labor economics, if you're looking at your, 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 your chart for potential earnings, right, you start off very low in any job that you're at, right, because you're learning. And the company knows that. They know they can pay you for you to outperform the pay that, you're, that you have. They know they can do that. Why? Because in the long run, they're going to pay you more, maybe overpay you a little bit. Right. But in the course of the of your career at that at that job, it's probably balanced out to some like nominal number that they really don't give a shit about. Right. So my point there is if you're working hard from the beginning, right, right now in college, in high school, if you're that grinder, if you're putting in maximum effort, it's like we were talking earlier. The talent is there, but that effort needs to be there so that people can know that that's who you are. Like, I'm not working harder now than I was 11 years ago. I'm not grinding harder now. no. It's the same grind, but it's been the beginning, it's been that since the beginning, right? So that's that's what I would tell you right now. If you're if you want to do this, like, yeah, you gotta be talented, yeah, you gotta do all, this, all that other bullshit. But start working hard now. Start hard work- and not no, 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 no. Take that back. Start out grinding everybody right now. If you see somebody working harder than you, you need to understand that if you wanna be at that level, you need to work harder than that person in that position. You check my Instagram story out, you see I'm fucking somewhere every weekend doing 17 appearances. You see, I'm doing bears on the Friday. I got to go with my family on the Saturday. I got my, you know, I'm say I'm doing shit during the week after the show and stuff like that. Like you have to be able to prepare to be doing more than that. If you want to beat Gabe, you gotta, you,
0: you gotta like, see right what now, Gabe's though, doing. And- right
1: now, the, like compare the shit that you're doing to me. Like if if you got your podcast up at the crib, if you're doing stupid viral video, put that up against me. Now though, because in ten years you keep doing that, you keep having that grind. It's gonna be better than me in ten years. That's what I always try to say. Like people's like, "Oh, you know, I I I want to be
0: like you." And I'm like, "No, you can be better. Like you can t- you can take a look at all the the fuck ups that I've had yeah. and go, "Oh, okay, I know not to step on that landmine. Mm-hmm. I know not to do it that way." And then you can build your brand off of that. But I think that that's a that's really good advice. That that people don't understand that the some of the work that goes into it, some of the hours that are being logged. And I actually think and I, I say this to students when I talk to them about it, I think that we're in a place in our industry mm-hmm. where you now have an opportunity to work on your craft without the supervision of yes. a media company. Yes. You can do a podcast. You can do a video. Whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. It is more, and you can get feedback if you want. If you <laughs> can, You can put it out on yeah. your social media yes. feed and get feedback on what's good and what's not good. When I was growing up, and again, I'm older than you. Yeah, it's talking into a Panasonic tape recorder. Right. It's it's doing play by play, watching television, talking into a tape recorder, and then listening back to it. Now these kids, they they have the access <laughs> to to actually do like a real broadcast if they want a to good do looking it. one. Yes,
1: I got I got an app on my phone. I don't I can't remember what it's called, but I swear I've been making some killer videos. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, had I had this ten years ago. I would have been popping, but it's here now. And so like you have it at your fingertips, you know, and you're right. You can do that. You should do that. We're all we're doing right now. You, you right now with this podcast, your show at night, and then my show in the morning, you know, we're just creating content, right? That's all we're doing. So, you know, you would be doing nothing different. Correct. And this
0: podcast is Jason Goff and I talk about this all the time. Shout out Jason Goff. Shout out to Jason Goff for real, for real. Um, we talk about the idea of we are now, we are 90s rappers, okay? Okay. We're 90s rappers Following now. You. That's the era that we're in right now. Because, like Ludacris, we can now take our content directly to people. Mm. We are selling CDs out of our trunks. Yes. That's what this podcast is. <laughs> it is me selling my CD out of the trunk. And I'm yeah. happy because people are actually buying it. But Luda was selling CDs and before that it was mixtapes. Sure. Selling them for $5 and became a millionaire. Run it. Off of being able to do that. And now the, these kids, because of everything that is available to them, you can be that. You can you can start your music career and and you can have your YouTube page and and blow up and become a star. If you want to do sports for a living, you can do a sports podcast. (laughs) You you want my job? Come and take it. That's my point. You can come and take it. Come and take it. But only if only if you're willing to grind the way that I'm willing to grind because I'm not just going to give it to you. (laughs) You got to come. You got to come kill me. Yeah figuratively speaking not literally i don't want
1: to die listen we i got people that come up to me that work in this building that are like yo man i'm not on yet i'm like yo gee, you've been here two years what are you doing to get on you've been here two years there's people out here that have been working for so long and you think somebody's just supposed to hand this little job to you absolutely not listen if you really want to be real todd and eric really didn't want to give me the job that wasn't their plan 11 years ago. This guy's going to be the morning show host on B96. Are you fucking kidding me? No. No. Everybody looked at me in my face and was like, yo, mm-hmm. if you want to get on, you need to leave here and go, like, get that everyday practice and get them reps in. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to be all right. Right? We're well, betting on myself. Right? But the reality is, like, they didn't think that. But you grind it so hard, you make it undeniable. You make that whatever you're doing right now, whatever it is, you're doing that and you're making it undeniable. Because everybody else around you sees the hard work you're putting in. That's why I say you're working hard from the beginning. So everyone you touched from the beginning is like, that guy's a hard worker. That guy knows what he's doing. That guy has good ideas. That guy's creative. That guy's on his shit. That guy gets, hits deadlines. Whatever it is, so that, that way, when an opportunity presents itself, it's undeniable. They ain't going to give it to nobody else but you. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me on, man. Feel like I just released a lot of stress
0: over here. <laughs> we go back to the batting cage analogy yeah, and all yeah. that good stuff. But this, I'm I'm glad that we had a chance to do this because it's this is what we do in the hallway here. I know,
1: right? <laughs> and people are like, you and Gabe, and I'm like, dude, gee, you don't even know the story of Lawrence and I. It's, like, it's, it's funny when people are shocked when they see us together. Right. I'm like, I'm like, yo, no, remember when Mitch did it? Remember? Yeah. Mitch Rosen goes, hey, are you the way Lawrence tells me the story, he's like, hey, you should hang out with Gabe. Or no, was it the reverse? No, it was no. no it he, was, tells me, yeah, yeah, he, he tells me. Yeah, he tells you. He tells me. He's like, he's like, you know what? You should talk to a guy. You know, Lawrence Holmes. You should talk. To-. I'm like, eh. like we just had lunch, yo. I was like, <laughs> I was like, N word. Do I know Lawrence Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> I was just with him in Hyde Park. <laughs> fool. Come on. So yeah, uh, that's a that's a great story. But I, I you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm glad that I was finally able to get on this damn thing. I was gonna start harassing you after a couple, and like maybe like two more months. Well, I, I mean, now that you've got the big promotion, like I definitely want. Oh, now to I'm now I'm big enough to no, get it. No, no, to no. Get up. no oh, that's what I it want, is. No, now that I'm no. now I no. like a starting lineup spot. Now I wanted to
0: spotlight. Joking. Wanted to spotlight <laughs> the fact that you had gotten the morning show over at B ninety six, and let people understand that this is how you got it. Yeah, man. That that the Not grind that I'm you. seeing
1: behind the scenes now, people yeah. can actually see in public. Yeah, man. Lawrence Holmes knew me on the softball field before I had a paycheck here at B96. Facts. And knew he was going to be something. A left fielder, <laughs> for, a left fielder, for a the, softball the team. number
0: one pick in the media trap. Jason Goff, number two. No, not in softball. <laughs> I'm joking. J- oh my Shut. God, Goff would. Oh my, he would tell you. He would tell you not in softball In basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah, I heard. I, I see a couple of his videos that he puts
0: up in basketball. He is, he is very serious. In softball, he would be like, "What am I supposed to be doing?" Okay. And I'd be like, "Go stand over there." But he was athletic, so he. he could, that's he that, that get was it done. my thing. I was like, "You're athletic enough." To play this game because you're more athletic than I am. So I'll just stand over there, play short center. The ball comes <laughs> to you, catch it. That's all you got to do. I love it. My man,
1: I appreciate Thank you. Thank you very much, Lawrence. I appreciate you.
0: I love that episode. That was a lot of fun. And basically, this is what hanging out with Gabe is like. You got a real taste of it. He is that level of energy all the time. It's not fake, it's real. All killer, no filler. From Gabe, So please check him out with Nina every morning on B96. They have a lot of fun, and the two of them have incredible chemistry together. So I'm glad that they have the opportunity to do a show. Uh, I I think that Gabe has really earned this opportunity, and you heard him talking about what he had to do to earn this opportunity. So shout out to him. I'm glad that, that he could actually be on this episode this week which is super dope to me. Let me get to your emails, emails, emails. Again, I think I need to get some sort of jingle. You can email the podcast, the House of L podcast at gmail.com. See, got it right this time. You email us, you let us know what you think of the pod, you let us know if there's a guest that you want to talk with, all that good stuff, and we try to help you out in that regard. It's fun. It's fun content for me. This from Nate. Nate says, hey, Lawrence, love the podcast. I began listening last week and really am enjoying the episodes. I recently moved to Florida and found myself missing the media figures I grew up reading, watching, and listening to in Chicago until I heard about the House of L podcast. I enjoyed it so much that I got my dad hooked on your episodes too. As a credit, as I credit him for introducing me to the score and talk radio as a whole at a young age while running errands. Oh, that's nice. You kind of reverse things a little bit. He got you in the talk radio, and you got him in the podcast. So I thank you for for that. That's very nice. Nate goes on to say, "I love the episode you did with Barry Rosner, and hope you get to record a part two with him soon." Listening to Barry got me thinking of another one of my favorite old school beat reporters, and that's Brian Hanley. My dad and I were big Mully and Hanley fans, and miss hearing Brian in the mornings. I haven't heard or seen anything from Brian since he left the station last July. So I thought he'd be interesting. He'd be an interesting subject for a future episode. Hope he's doing well. Thank you for your time. Keep up the great work. That's from Nate. Nate, it's funny. I was in the score studio the morning that I recorded with Gabe, and I ran into – oh, no, it was a week week before that, the week before that. I ran into Mully, and Mully and I were just you know talking basketball and a couple other things, and he was actually on his way to go have lunch with Brian. So Brian's doing well. He's – taking it easy, just kind of retire. I know he's with them dogs and I know he loves that, but yes, he is definitely someone that I want to have on the podcast. Alex says Lawrence, huge fan of sports and a big fan of your work. I really enjoy the podcast and it helps me get around during my travels for work. I think a few good guests into, in my opinion, not into, in my opinion would be Terry Boers, Dan Pompey and Dan Bernstein. I think three, all three of those guys would be good and fun guests. It's been a real outcry to get Terry Bores on the podcast. I'm going I'm to email Uncle Terry and see. The, here's the thing. I want to get people in studio. I got to figure out a way to do that with Terry. I don't want to make him come all the way down here. But ideally, I, I'd want to get Terry. Maybe I can have like the little guys do something. Like they can do like a makeshift recording booth. And then I could just meet Terry and Mokina. And we can just do the podcast there. Hmm. Shout out to Tom. Tom, get on it. This from Justin. Justin says, Lawrence, I laugh all the time now because you start your podcast regarding guests that you have had on and a reminder to look through the list before we make suggestions. I'm one of those people who asked for Jim Rose and you had already did that one. Yeah. And then he goes on to give some suggestions Stacey King, Mark Gian Greco, and Bob Thomas. I definitely want to talk to G and Greco. I've got so many questions for him. Like, how does he survive the Mongo experience? That was some crazy television they were doing. This from Aaron. Lawrence, first off, love the podcast. Even if I don't recognize some of the names of your guests after listening to their episode, I feel like I'm familiar with them and their work. And have even followed a few on Twitter and sought out their work because I enjoyed their perspective. As far as suggestions for future guests, I would enjoy hearing from people such as Mark Lazarus, his transition tr- from traditional media to the athletic would be interesting to hear about any current or former bear. I'm here for it. Olin Spice, Manly Lance, Matt Nagy. I don't know if Matt Nagy would sit down on this podcast. I don't. I, the other guys actually work in media Negi just deals with us, but sure. I mean, if he was available, I definitely take it. Lazarus is on a list along with Jason Leisure, a couple guys that cover the Blackhawks. I want to wait until Lazarus gets out of season, and considering what's going on with the Blackhawks right now, that's going to be soon. All right, that'll wrap it up. We thank you for your emails. And if you want to send an email to the podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for another great episode. Thanks to my man, Gabe Ramirez, for making it a great episode. I'm looking forward to what's coming up next as far as podcast guest goes. And next week, I promise you will be fun one way or the other by hook or by crook. Thanks for listening. If you're on iTunes, give us five stars. Write us a review. Subscribe, then unsubscribe, then subscribe again. It's all love, baby. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening this week. Peace.